Welcome to I'm Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. In today's podcast, we'll be continuing to talk about fighters' development. Last time we got to talk to Leo, the, one of the head trainers at Phuket Fight Club, about developing fighters. He has a really strong team down there. Now we, Phuket Fight Club, Louis Kajaba, Lobo Phuket Fight Club, um, they're all very high-level stadium fighters. So it was really good to talk to him. If you haven't gotten a chance, definitely check out that one. Today we will be highlighting some of the fighters that I've been cornering and developing here in Thailand, just as sort of case studies. Uh, but first, a little news. Uh, as always, um, thank you to my supporters, Nakmoy Legends. If you're interested in a 15% discount, put in "I'm Fighting" in the discount code. Nakmoy Legends does some great t-shirts, apparel, hats, snapbacks, and other things that directly supports Muay Thai and the legends from which they draw from. So definitely check them out. Also, if you haven't gotten a chance, I've written a book, The Boxer Soliloquy. It's a series of interconnected Muay Thai short stories. It's a fast-paced book. I published it back in 2014, but still remains a very strong read. I'm hoping to do more books in the future. In the meantime, you can pick your copy off of Amazon uh, and get it as a paperback or read it as an ebook. So that's the boxer soliloquy. Also, thank you as always to Patrick Rivera for helping me get the show started. He's going out with the USMF youth team soon. There's about 30 kids heading over to Turkey to participate in the IFMA Youth Championships. Patrick is going to be helped out by a couple really high-level coaches, including Rami Ibrahim, uh, Aziz Nabi, uh, Danny Brandt, and Ricardo Perez. There's some really talented youth on the team as well. Mali Eugenio Caros, Nicole Fernandez of Dobler's Gym, Tierra Brandt of Dance Gym, Cesar Lazadel from Valor Muay Thai, and Tigran Devangian. I think I might have murdered his name, but he's definitely a murderer in the ring. So today we're going to be talking a bit more about fire development. I want to specifically talk about two individuals that I've been cornering as a way of sort of looking at specific examples as part of a larger picture to sort of give you a bit of context of where these two fighters are at, where they're going, and how that sort of context plays into the larger picture. Uh, after that, we'll talk a little bit about the pick a fight. Uh, last time, I really, really implored you guys to watch the Luis Kajaba Valentin Tebow fight that is on the 24th. So, next Tuesday, that's going to be for the Lumpini, uh, or rather the WBC Diamond Belt. So, there's only been a few chances when this Diamond Belt has come out. So, it's a big deal. Definitely watch out for that one. So, we'll launch right into it with the Omar fight. So Omar Halalbi has 
recently come to the Fairtex Training Center. He's been out here for about two and a half, three months. Uh, he had his first fight at Max Muay Thai against Hinchai or Sansuk. That took about five weeks to match him up there, so a bit of time. He's been on a pretty good run at Max before. About eight fights, I believe, no losses. And before he was training at Petsamon. He really liked it there, but was looking to maybe push himself a little more, so he came over to Fairtex. We had him fight at Max. He did well against uh, Hinchai, but maybe not his best performance. I wanted to see how he could do at a five-round fight. So we matched him up at Lumpini World Championship, which is the Saturday night show at Lumpini. It's after the main shows, after Kia Pet uh, show and Lumpini TKO show, I believe. So there's three shows at Lumpini on Saturdays. Two of them are high level, and then one of them is foreigners uh, fighting. Sometimes foreigners versus ties, sometimes it's foreigners versus foreigners. So I've had fighters on that show before, so I have the contact with the promoter, Numpontep, who has a gym himself. He's also a matchmaker for one of the entertainment shows in Bangkok, Super Champ, and matchmakes for Lumpini World Championship. I've known him for a while, so and we've worked together, so it was very easy for me to set up this match. When you're setting up the match, you usually need a shirtless photo, the weight, general experience. You're trying to give the promoter as much information as you can. So the fight itself made about 6,000 baht. So for Omar, he broke even at best. So he has two nights of hotel, about 500 baht a night. So that's 1,000 baht. Then he has to pay for the trainer's so he has to pay for transportation for himself and the trainer. So that's about two to 300 baht. Then also food for himself and the trainer. So in total, that's can be about another 2000 baht. The equipment, the gauze, tape, blah, 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 namamoy, Vaseline, it's gonna be about 400 baht. So he's making at best a thousand baht, maybe 2000 baht. So not really any money for his time. So that is definitely a factor. Uh, if you want to develop as a fighter and in your career, you need these five round fights, but you need to understand that at best you're breaking even and or losing money. Oh, I'm sorry. He also tipped out his trainer 2000 baht. So he basically broke even on it. So this is definitely a factor, especially with, other ties or other managers you know i talked to mr wong and he was like you know he doesn't make any money off this fight and that can definitely be an issue because fighting out here is economics if you're not making money there's no point in it especially when you're looking at it from a ties point of view if you're losing money it's not worth fighting you need to make a profit off the fight. Otherwise, the fight is not feasible. The promoters and managers out here, the trainers, they're not really considering how important and how valuable the experience factors in. 
because most ties already have a lot of that base level experience so they don't need to be fighting for free the foreigners though they need that base level experience they need a lot of it so they should be fighting for free or breaking even or doing a lot a lot a lot of base level fights so moving on a bit we got the fight scheduled we had about three weeks in preparation one of the big things that we focused on was transitioning from Muay Thai entertainment style fighting to stadium fighting, which means point scoring, point scoring, point scoring. So it's also a very different tempo. The first two rounds, traditionally, you want to take it easier, a little slower. Rounds three and four, you move forward, clinch, knee, knee, knee. Fifth round is a bit of a decider. So we worked a lot on some of his defensive things, blocking, kicking back, scoring uh, in the clinch as well. But mainly what we did was to work a lot on his defense and, and his counterattacks because these are really important. So the fight day came, we were ready. I made a checklist of preparations. We need the Mong Kong, the cup, the, we didn't need shorts, because they provide shorts, but you should always bring an extra pair. Uh, Projets, uh, sandals. There's basically a list of things that you need to be doing. Um, the weigh-ins were in the morning at about 6, 7 a.m., 6 a.m. So he stayed at a hotel close by. I came and stayed at my girlfriend's place, which is about a 45 30 minute drive away i went there got there at 6 30 he was there already he was on weight which was very important they will give you time to cut weight at the stadium so you should always always bring your sauna suit all your gear in case you need to cut weight in case you need to drop a kilo or two um we got to meet his opponent there we found out a, about a week before that he was fighting a Chinese guy traditionally Chinese fighters are very heavy with the hands come in with leg kicks this guy was not so he was a little taller than Omar and he had a lot of sock yeah he was very composed I thought that it would actually be a pretty good even matchup which it ended up being so the weigh-in process took about an hour. It's a little confusing there. You definitely want someone that speaks Thai with you. Uh, it was held at Lumpini Stadium, of course. So you need to do unofficial weigh-in. An official weigh-in, you need to get checked by the doctor. And usually the promoter wants a picture of you guys. So that in all took about an hour. So after the weigh-in... He took off, I took off, and shortly after, actually, the promoter called me. Omar had forgotten to give a slip to the official weigh-in people, so he had to go back. Luckily, I had booked him, or he had booked, a room close by the stadium. I think this is pretty important to be close to the stadium in case there's a problem. You always need to allow yourself a fair amount of wiggle room. If you're an hour away from the stadium, a small problem like forgetting a form causes a delay of two hours or more, especially in Bangkok where there can be a lot of traffic 
and unpredictable traffic. Luckily, Omar was close by. He went back, got everything sorted. It, again, it would have helped if he spoke Thai, but we basically played a bit of phone tag between the promoter and myself. Then we got to the stadium later that evening at 6 p.m. Omar rested most of the day, chilled. Uh, he quit eating three hours before the fight. You don't want to eat too soon before a fight, otherwise it will affect your stomach and your energy levels. Generally, you want to fight a little bit on an empty stomach. So we got there at 6. The fights started at 8, so we had a bit of time. We sat down. We watched a few of the fights. Then we went into the back room, and he began to get his hands wrapped by the Thai trainer, Ratanasak. Willapon, who is a golden era fighter. He actually fought Bukau. Uh, he fought one of the uh, Sichopaw twins. He fought uh, Portsonet as well. And he was a good level stadium fighter. So he was wrapping Omar's hands. Things were going well. And then all of a sudden, the officials come in and they're like, you need to finish this up real quick. You're going to be on deck. So we had to rush through the hand wrapping, rush through the massage, um, and then we finally, we got them all sorted. Then we sat and waited. This is what happens sometimes. You rush to get things done, you get them done on time, and then you're forced to wait anyways. It's just the way the game is played. I think it happens just as much out here as it does in the West. I think this is another reason why you should always come to the fights early and be prepared and be ahead of schedule because sometimes things happen and you're moved around and you need to be able to quickly adapt. So, for instance, Omar was properly massaged, or he was massaged at least, and lacquered with Vaseline and Namamoy. His opponent went into the fight dry, which I think has an impact on you. So we got all sorted. We got to the ring. We waited, and Omar got called up. He went into the ring. He did an abbreviated Y Crew Ramoy. Most of these days, unless it's a big fight, most fighters won't do a elongated Y Crew Ramoy. It's just a bit too time-consuming. The Muay Thai entertainment shows definitely don't want you to be spending precious airtime doing a long, elaborate Y Crew Ram Muay. They just want to get the fight going. So the first round starts, and the Chinese opponent is pretty good, and he's very aggressive. So both myself and Noon... Ratanasak, the other trainer, were telling Omar, relax, relax, relax. You need to play for points. Just keep yourself covered up. You know, attack, counterattack, relax, relax. So he did well in the first round. His Chinese opponent basically jumped on him. Uh, he came in very hard and heavy with hands and elbows, actually. The opponent was very good at elbows, so it was... Definitely took Omar by surprise. So Omar comes back into the corner 
And then the first thing he said to me, which fucking kills me, is he says, are you videotaping? I'm not sure I will let him down for this. If you are fighting, do not fucking worry about being videotaped. I was videotaping him. I told him I was videotaping him. I was using my superior skills as a cameraman and corner to do both at the same time. But the focus should be on the fight. Don't worry about getting videotaped. Don't worry about your airtime. Don't worry about any of that. Worry about what's directly in front of you. So coming back into the corner, I think one of the big things about cornering someone is one, you make them breathe. Nice, big, even breath. Big, even breath. Big, even breath. At the main stadiums, you have about two minutes to recover in between rounds. So it's a nice long time. So you can really take your time. So in and out, breathe, breathe, breathe. Then I usually launch into just three pieces of advice that I repeat, I repeat, and I repeat. And then I repeat, I repeat, I repeat. A lot of times I will touch the body as well to reinforce certain things. Omar, you need to block. Omar, you need to block. Omar, you need to block. And demonstrate blocking. Touch his arm so he knows to block. Um, hit the body. Hit the body. Hit the body. Okay, you touch the body. You touch the body. You touch the body. Uh, at the same time, you need to be giving the fighter water and massaging them. If they've taken some heavy shots to the leg, you'll want to put Vaseline on the leg. Also, really douse it in water and start massaging it fast. Try and get some of the blood flowing. If they've taken a fair amount of punches to the head, you want to pull the hair back and sort of tighten the hairline. Sort of massage the scalp. If they've taken a few shots to the jaw, you massage the jaw and lacquer them again in Vaseline. Um, if there's a cut, you again need to put a fair amount of Vaseline on it. Take a look at the cut and make sure to let the fighter know what they should be doing to protect themselves. So cornering a foreigner and cornering for ties is a bit different. For ties, they'll have a bunch of different voices. Well, for foreigners too. But there's a bunch of different voices all the time. Do this, do that, do this, do that. So it can be very distracting for people in the corner, especially when, at least for foreigners, when they don't understand Thai and all these voices are screaming at them over and over and over. So I think it's very important to keep clear instructions to them. Um, just keep it very simple. So after the, that first round, Omar went out, had a good strong second round third round he really turned it up he started blocking kicking his timing was really good the Jap chinese fighters started to gas out uh he just ended up a bit winded and omar took the points win so after the fight okay now it's fine i took a picture of him uh and then we came out of the ring and um, Almost after disrobing, getting the cup off, getting the gloves off, 
we immediately began to massage him again. So he'd taken some shots to his shin and his elbow. So what Noon did was he massaged the elbow and the leg with Namamoy to really push out some of the injuries and the pain. Uh, this really decreased swelling the next day. So aftercare for a fight is also very, very important. Then it can be a good time to talk to the fighter about their performance. Sometimes you want to lay it on thick. Sometimes you should be a little more gentle. Sort of depends on how the performance is and your relation to the fighter. Usually I'm very blunt and straightforward with fighters. That's how I dealt with feedback and information the best. Just blunt, straightforward, no bones about it. This is the way it is. So after the fight, we congratulate the other corner, which is very important. It's a game. It's a sport. There shouldn't be an animosity between you and your opponent. So after all that, we collected his purse, and then we parted away with Noon, who went and saw a friend. Well, I brought Omar back. This was also a good chance for me to spend a little time with Omar and also to check him for damage and whatnot. He came out of the fight relatively clean, no cuts, definitely some soreness and damage, but nothing that a little rest wouldn't alleviate. So we went down the street, we had a few beers. In general, I think it is a bad idea to have beers after a fight. Um, I don't think it's the biggest of deals, uh, but if you have suffered head trauma or you've gotten a concussion in a count, you should not drink. There will be a ton of people peer pressuring you into drinking after a fight. You should not drink. Uh, I've seen this a bunch of times. I've done it myself. I've definitely had drinks after fights where I've taken some damage. It is not a good idea. It accentuates the damage you've already taken. It's better to take a night off, rest and recover, than go out and party in the next day or two. If the people that are around you are really your friends, they'll understand that you need a night off and you'll go, you can go out drinking two days later. They'll be there for you then. If they're just casual supporters, fuck them. You know, they are more interested in having a good time than in the fighter's well-being. So we sat there, we had a few beers at a small restaurant. Omar doesn't really drink that much, which is really good. Uh, and we talked again about the fight, things to improve, holes in the game, and what his next steps are. This is a good point to evaluate a career as well, you know, right after the fight. Okay, where are we on the career path? We said we would do X, Y, and Z. Have we done X, Y, and Z? What is next now that we've done X, Y, and Z? I think it is very important for fighters to have a very clear career path. Okay, now you are here in three or four more fights. We want you to be here. If you're not here at, after four or five fights, okay, we take a step 
or two back, we reevaluate things and we redo and go over more basics. Fighters need to have a plan both in the short term, mid term, and long term. Otherwise, it's very, very easy to get distracted by other things, to start to have a girlfriend, to get enamored with a job or a million other things. Having a clear path with short, mid, and long-term goals will really help help a fighter out. So for Omar and I, we talked a bit about his immediate and long-term plans. So for Omar, it's a max fight that we have scheduled for later this month. And then we're going to do some more stadium fights. And eventually, in about 10 to 15 more fights, we'll look at more international fights and see how things go. I also want to get him more grassroots level experience fighting Isan, which I think is really important as a cultural experience not just as in terms of fight experience so moving on from Omar's fight we'll talk a bit about Brogan's then we'll talk a bit about the context of these fights and where these fighters are in their careers so Brogan is at FA Group right now in Bangkok. It's the gym I used to be the foreign liaison at. Now I am the social media manager at Fairtex. So Brogan was on a bit of a streak and a fight career. He had about five, six fights at max. Did well, won them all. He got into an accident. It basically laid him up for about a year. He traveled. He did other things. He stayed in shape and then he wanted to fight again. So Brogan works as a model. Uh, so somewhere like Max is actually very good for him because it gets additional exposure for him. He can work the two jobs side by side. So it would be like uh, Leo Pinto or Antoine Pinto who have strong modeling careers and also do fitness and fight. Or at least they did in the past. So booking the fight at Max was relatively easy since he'd fought at Max before. They had a record of him. Also, because I work at Max as a commentator there, it's very easy for me to arrange fights for people. That said, I usually don't arrange fights for people because it's too much of a headache. Um, with Brogan, since I'd taken care of him before, I set it up. We got a date about three weeks later. Usually at max, it takes about three to five weeks to get a matchup, especially on Sundays for foreigners. So this fight that he got matched up with was a warm-up fight. It was during a weekday, which was good for Brogan because it had been some time since he'd last fought. The weigh-ins were the day before, so Brogan came down via bus and I picked him up in the south of Pattaya. It was a good thing that he came down early because the bus station where I thought he would be and where he actually was, was definitely somewhere totally different. So it took me an extra half an hour to pick him up. Then I picked Brown back to my place where we cut weight. My room is right by Fairtex Training Center, so we use the training center to cut weight. Um, initially, he had two to three kilos to drop from 11 a.m. to about 2 p.m. 
So he went running in a sauna suit for two hours. He dropped about two kilos. And then we waited. He dried off. And we went to a sauna at Max Muay Thai. Where he spent about 15 minutes in the sauna. And dropped the rest of the weight. As he dropped weight, I talked to one of the trainers at the Max Gym. Um, you know, there's definitely an infrastructure and a community based around the stadium. There's a restaurant right next door where people routinely eat. One of the restaurant workers' sons fights regularly at the stadium. So we got on weight. We met the opponent who is actually a trainer at Fairtech. That was mildly uncomfortable, not a huge deal. When I initially found out about the matchup, I asked the promoter if we could change. The promoter said no, we just went with it. Um, it's it's sport. Sometimes you fight your friends. It's not a big deal. Um, that said, because I knew the trainer and I could see him training, I told the trainer, whose name is Bank, you need to train hard because... Brogan is actually again trained proper. Uh, most trainers will have very good eyes and will have good timing and technique, but they won't always have the gas tank. At a stadium like Max, where they really, really want you to be action packed and move forward to press in, having a big gas tank basically will win you the fight. So after the weigh ins, um, it's very informal. Uh, they have to pose for a while to do backdrop pictures. In all, everything takes about an hour. Uh, after Brogan got all sort situated with the photos and the weigh-ins, I brought him back to his hotel. He booked it for the night. It was a place near my apartment, my room here at Fairtex. Um, and then I went to work. The next day, I checked in on him, see how he was doing. He slept in, which is perfect. Meanwhile, the trainer, Bank, worked both morning and night. This is pretty typical um, of Thai fighters and Thai trainer fighters. They have to work. They have their day jobs still. The fighting is just extra money. There's always a little bit of a balance for them between wanting to train hard for the fight but also having to work regularly. So, and a lot of the times the fights don't pay enough to work that hard, but if they do work harder and exercise more, they can potentially build themselves out of being a trainer. But there's not always a lot of options, especially in a town like Patia, you know, Max Muay Thai is your best ticket. You're really not going to max out on too much money. Maybe 10000 15000 baht. Uh, this fight between Brogan and Bank was only 4000 baht. So really not that much. Not really worth training that hard for. So I got Brogan. I picked him up at 4 p.m. Again, it was good that I came early because we had to get our stuff together. I made the same mental checklist. Okay, Mong Kong, Pajit, Shorts, Cup, Tape, Gauze, Vaseline, Namamoy, Mouth Guard. Earlier in the day, we'd made a mouth guard. 
we didn't have tape so we had to go to the stadium and they have a small store there that sells gauze and tape and vaseline when we went to the store to pick up the tape though they didn't have any tape so luckily i was there early and i went down to a pharmacy nearby i picked up some tape not a big deal the other good thing is that we got there early is i massaged and wrapped him by myself hand wrapping for me at least takes about 20 to 30 minutes uh, for both hands so it is a little bit of a time consuming process if you want to do it correctly uh, you know, especially Thai style, you can really layer the, the tape on. You can make the nice little cigars across the knuckles and all the other things that make Thai hand wrapping unique and cool. So once I was done, I was still by myself cornering him. So I massaged and got him ready for the fight right away. He was the second bout of the night. So we had a little bit of leeway time, but not that much. Uh, massaging someone does take some time. You need to sort of shellac them with Vaseline, um, then douse them with Namamoy, properly massage most of the body. Then Brogan always likes to do some stretching beforehand. I know this from having cornered him before. Right when we were about to be done massaging him, some of his friends came. They wanted to get in, blah, blah, blah. I had to go out for 15 minutes or so and deal with that. Once that was sorted, um, got his cut tied on, gloves on, helped him shadow box a bit. We had a basic game plan. It was very simple uh, because he's been at FA Group, which is a strong clinch and knee gym. Just suppress in, on bank, tire him out, just be active the entire time. Um, he goes out, the fight starts, I yell simple instructions again in the corner, just using very simple instructions. Again, the same three things over and over, using my hands to show him, touching him, uh, massaging him as well. Uh, during the fight itself, Brogan looked a bit tentative, he was waiting too much. Bank initially didn't look tired and then started to slow down in the second and third round. It was a relatively easy, um, damage-free fight for both fighters, so it was very good. Uh, Brogan took the win on points mainly through his aggression, just walking forward, um, just continually being active. After the fight... We get out of the ring, we talk about the fight, what we could have done for him, you know, some things that were good and bad. Um, took off his hand wraps and get, got him undressed. I always bring scissors, that way it's easy to cut off the hand wraps. That said, a lot of fighters will want to keep their hand wraps, especially if they're fighters from the up country. They can basically reuse the hand wraps. Uh, it saves them money. A uh, set of hand wraps can cost them like two, 200, 300 baht. Plus, it's a lot of time in making them. After that, we do photos. At Max Muay Thai, you do group photos after the fights a lot of times. Then we collected the money. So, Broken and I had a 
financial arrangement set up ahead of time. Uh, I took 1,000 baht in payment for myself. Basically, it meant I broke even at best. I spent a lot of time with him during the day, um, picking him up, going back and forth. I bought his uh, that extra tape for him. Um, so there are some expenses for me on my part. So I think it's important to understand that that when you have money coming in, it needs to be paid out. People need to be fairly compensated for their work. That includes the coaches, the trainers, and the managers. I think it's unfair for coaches and managers to put their time into the fighters for free. That said, I think that coaches and trainers and managers need to be upfront about the financial situation right off the bat. And at least for me, I generally tell the fighter, okay, this is about how much the purse is going to be. This is going to be your expenses. This is what I'm going to take. This is what you're going to make. Just to make everything clear right off the bat. So after the fight, um, he's relatively uninjured. So I bring him to the bus station and he takes a ride home back to Bangkok uh, around 10, 11 p.m. So that concludes the basics of both of those fights. Both of them, both Brogan and Omar, are in the same class almost of fighters. Maybe Omar is in the lead. He's got a bit more experience. He's got about 15, 16 fights now. Brogan has about 8, 9. Um, Brogan's options are bit more suited towards doing more entertainment Muay Thai because of his male modeling he's got a big background in MMA so he can potentially pursue that um, the other thing is w fighting regularly at the stadiums is going to cost a lot of time and money he's a little older he's 29-30 so spending two years in the stadiums might not be the best use of his time you know, it mainly depends on his career choices and what he wants to do long term. Because of his background in MMA, I believe he's a belt. He's belted in jujitsu. I think he might be brown belt. I don't know. Uh, and he's done some Division One college wrestling. He has some legit options in the future for a promotion like One Championship in the MMA department. So sticking, I feel, with an entertainment company like Max Muay actually makes sense. He can get the TV exposure, work on his striking, and develop himself in that way. Omar, meanwhile, is looking at a different course. He is 21, so still very, very young. And he has a lot of time to really grow into his fighting career. So we will probably have him do more stadium-level fights to really sit down, spend the time, do the rounds, and do the fights. Uh, he's won most of his Max Muay Thai fights. The good thing about Max Muay Thai for him is it's local, it's easy, the money is okay. Going to the stadiums is an investment. So he got paid 6,000 baht for this Lumpini fight, which is really not much. 
when he fights again, it'd be another 6,000. Then he might get bumped up to 8, 10. It's a very, very slow, arduous process to build yourself in the stadiums. That said, it's very, very important, and you get a lot of experience that way. Uh, you get experience in learning how to score points, how to change your game up, how to deal with different fighters that you won't get in an entertainment show where the entertainment shows are more like technical brawls all the time. So just understanding these two sort of spheres of fighting and what Omar wants to do and where he's going really helps us chart a clear career path for him. So actually his next fight after this is for Max Muay Thai again, this will be a good opportunity to make a little more cash, and then we will probably go back to the stadiums and see how things go from there. Um, so that is where both of these fighters are at the moment, and in future episodes, I might update you. You know, we'll see what happens with if I end up dealing with them more, managing, helping them out, or not. You know, anything could happen, like I was saying before. Their buffalo could get sick. They could run off and elope with some nice person. Uh, you never know. But that said, we have a pretty clear path for Omar. Um, and in terms of Brogan, he's just coming back into things. So we'll see what happens with him as well. So just to sort of wrap things up, I want to use these two fighters as examples, just showing what happens, you know, what the weighing process is like, what the fights are like. You know, I sort of rushed over something, spent a little more time on others. The thing about fighting out here is it's not that different from fighting in the States. You have periods where you're waiting for a long time and then rush periods. And... You might not know what's going on. You might know what's going on. But really, you need to plan your fight. You need to plan your how you manage everything correctly. Uh, I really liked what Andrew Parnum said. I think I mentioned this earlier. The best managers and trainers are the ones that are the best project managers. And a fight is a project. What you're looking at is how can you control the project the best? How can you control the weight cut, the training, the matchup, the scoring? What helps you complete this project in the best possible manner with the most efficiency? So wrapping things up about this fighter development sort of series in between talking about these two fighters and also the interview with Leo... He has a fight coming up uh, Tuesday the 24th. Luis Kajaba versus Valentin Thibault. It should be really interesting. It will be a really cool way to look at project management. Okay, We can look at all the different variables if about the fight and sort of try and view it as a project. Definitely take your time and check that out. And that concludes episode 11 of On Fighting in Thailand. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, concerns, 
definitely feel free to send me an email, drop me a message on Instagram. My Instagram handle is mattlucasbkk. You can reach me via email, a.matt.lucas at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. This has been I'm Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.